Well, this morning we conclude our series, God is Here. We wrap up the year. We look forward to 2016, but we really have our sights set on the Lord's Supper this morning and just a few thoughts from the Word of God as we not only remember what we have just done in reading these names, but remember the name of above all names, the name of Jesus. What are we doing today when we read a list of names like that? Some of you are uh, here this morning, and uh, perhaps you're new to Taylor's or you're visiting Taylor's, you're a guest. Some of you are, are young who are here, and we read through a list of names, and you don't quite understand what all that means. In the car on the way here, explain to my kids, this is what we're doing today. It's a little bit different. What are we doing? Well, we're remembering, and we're remembering two things this morning. Number one, we are remembering the body of Christ. Let me read a portion of Scripture for, uh, for you from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 24 through 27. And listen to what Paul writes to the church, and he is in the middle of explaining to uh, the church at Corinth how you are to worship. What does it look like? He's explaining the spiritual gifts so in essence, he is walking them through, this is what you do when you come to church and when you worship and when you connect in the body of Christ. But then he pivots just briefly here, just before he gets to the love chapter, and he says this, but God has so composed the body giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually you are members of it. Here is what we are doing this morning. We, as a collection of individuals formed and placed into the body of Christ at Taylor's, we are practicing love and care for the body. We are honoring those who are worthy of our honor, and we are suffering with those who suffer. And in an age when church and the body of Christ has become so individualized, when we have become so independent in our choices and in our understanding of what church is supposed to be about, what we have done this morning in remembering those that have gone on before, we are practicing what it means to be the body. Paul just didn't give a bunch of instructions and said, this is what you do. He reminded them, this is who you are to be. You are to honor and you are to love. This past week, I, I read the phrase, in the context of what's going on in the Middle East. Remember those who are suffering, and when one member suffers, all mem when one member of the body suffers, all members of the body suffer. So in the Middle East, as those Christians over there are being persecuted at an alarming rate, it's a good reminder for us that the body of Christ is suffering over there. But Paul gives this admonition in this context that we are to suffer with those who suffer. We are to honor those who are worthy of great honor. This is what we've done. We've remembered 
the body of Christ. And this is a principle that young people, you need to carry throughout your life. The body of Christ is central to your spiritual development. And what happens within this body shouldn't be given over to just your own ideas of what church should be. It should be rooted in the commitment that the body is here to love and to care for one another. And here's the question that I would ask some of our young people, the younger generation, my generation. When I am 60 and 70 and 80 and 90 years old as some of these dear saints who have gone on before us, will I be connected to a place where there will be great love and great honor given to me and my family? Not because I'm anything good, but because I'm part of a body. See, this is what makes the body of Christ unique. This is what makes Taylor's First Baptist Church unique. If you're a guest here this morning, this is a unique body. You know why? Because it's in our DNA. It's part of our culture. It's part of who we are that we care and that we love incredibly well. So we remember the body of Christ this morning. And we remember how important it is. And at the beginning of 2016, I would just challenge every single one of us to be a part and to be connected and to commit to and to love and to honor the body of Christ. Here's the second thing we've done. Let's pivot and go to the Lord's table. We honor and remember Christ well. We've been in Isaiah chapter 7 and 8 and 9 over the last couple of weeks, and we've been watching and, and looking at this king that Isaiah the prophet comes to 700 years before Christ with this incredible promise that, king, you're in trouble. King, the enemies are pressing in on you, and before, king, you move to seek help from other sources, look to God. He is here, Emmanuel. God will be with you, king, and we've been walking through that. But here's the, here's the sad news. The king doesn't pay attention, and at the end of chapter 8, if you read through that, it, it, comes, to a, it comes to a very gloomy judgment that is placed upon the king and upon the people of God because the king rebels against the presence of God, the king rebels against the grace of God. It's pretty dark. And Isaiah has to prophesy to the people, and he has to write down for everyone to see, this is what's going to happen. And it's not good news. But then you come to chapter 9, and it's incredible what happens as the, as the mood just takes a whole different turn because Isaiah says, but something is going to happen in the middle of the darkness. Something is going to change. That instead of humiliation to the people of God, there will be honor. Instead of dwelling in darkness and in great judgment, there is great light. And instead of slavery and oppression, there is great freedom and celebration for the people of God. What brings it about? And it's because of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Here comes the change. Here's why. Because unto you a son is born. For unto you a child is given, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So we remember the body of Christ this morning, but now we look to the person of Christ himself. 
What Isaiah is prophesying to the people is this incredible list of names. I don't know why you named your children the way, you, uh, whatever name you gave them. I don't know why you did that. Normally when we pick out names for our children, it's something maybe to honor a, a grandfather or it's a family name that's passed down or, or maybe it's to honor a, a friend that you love dearly or someone who's passed away or maybe it's simply because you just like that name. The name that is given to Christ, though, the name that is given to the son that is to be born is given to him because it is to signal that he has come to be with his people. Emmanuel, God is here. To save his people. That's what Jesus literally means, to save. These names here, wonderful counselor. Listen, if you need encouragement this morning, just look to the name of Christ. Wonderful counselor. He is the one who has great discernment, more than the kings that, that messed everything up. He has incredible wisdom. He has incredible discernment. He gives wonderful leadership to your life. Wonderful counselor, the mighty God. He is all powerful. There's nothing that he can't handle. He is the everlasting father. Now that name always kind of tripped me up because I'm thinking there's God the Father, there's God the Son, and then there's God the Holy Spirit. So is he, how, how can God the Son be God the Father? Not, they're not speaking. Isaiah's not prophesying there of, of kind of the Trinity. He's, he's not saying that, that God the Father and, and, and God the Son are, are this interchangeable being. No, they're separate individuals, but he is saying that, that Jesus is God, he's the mighty God, but he is a father figure. He is the one who gives care. He is the one who gives compassion. The kings of, of Israel were to be shepherds. They were looked at as fathers who would care for their people. This morning, if you come and you need care, Jesus is the one who shepherds and gives unbelievable care to those that need it. The everlasting father, he, he, he has an eternal source of care and compassion for you. Wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. He will make all things right. He will make all things good. And how has he done this? Well, this is where the Lord's Supper comes in. He does this not just by coming to earth and sitting on a throne. He comes to earth and he goes to the cross. He comes to earth and he lives a sinless life. And as we discussed on Christmas Eve and as we shared that beautiful, beautiful story of, of Christ coming in and taking on kingly, uh, taking off his kingly robe just for a little bit to take on his earthly, fleshly robe, his, his skin, his, his life so that he could go to the cross for you and for me. He identifies with all of our sin. He identifies with all of our hurts. He identifies with all of our needs. And while he was sinless, the scriptures say that he took sin on himself so that we might become the righteousness of God. And this is what we remember this morning. Yes, we remember the baby as we have all season. Yes, we remember the glory of heaven one day. Yes, there will be a day when the, the, he will put back on his kingly robe and rule and reign forever and ever. And of his government, there will be no end, Isaiah says. But for now, we remember him, crucified, risen again, here with us to forgive us and to walk with us.
Deacons, if you'll come forward now and prepare to take the Lord's Supper and just a couple of instructions this morning as we move into this time of remembering the Lord's death. If you are a follower of Jesus, no matter where you're from, you might be from a different church. You might have a different religious background, but if you are a follower of Christ this morning, if there's been a point in time in your life where you have opened up your heart to him and to his death and to his resurrection, and you claim him as your Savior, we joyfully invite you to come and participate in the Lord's Supper this morning. But if there's doubt, or if you do not know Christ, you know that for sure. Maybe you're one of our guests here. We simply ask you to refrain, and we don't do that to be mean, or we don't do that to be offensive in any way. We simply are following what the Scriptures say, and that is this table is simply reserved for those who have experienced the work of Jesus inside of them. Now, what does that mean for you? Here's what it means for you, is that the cross of Christ and what we celebrate taking the bread which symbolizes his body taking the juice which symbolizes his blood given for you we simply ask you to consider and pray and think and quiet your heart before him this morning and to listen to listen to how much he loves you and how much he has given for you and there could be a day, maybe at the end of the service, you'll come to one of the ministers. I'll be right down front here. Maybe you'll come to me or maybe you'll set up an appointment with me this week or next week. Or, or maybe there's a, a friend, a family member, a follower of Jesus, and you'll go to them and you'll say, what does this mean? I'm not sure, but I, I'm interested in following Christ. What a joy that would be. Here's the final instruction this morning. For followers of Jesus, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is very, very clear when it gives instructions for the Lord's Supper. And let me just read for you what it says here, and this is your role. Paul says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Now, this is a... This is a this is a sobering warning here. You come this morning, he says, verse 28, so, so come and let a person examine himself and then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Now, I read that just as a sobering reminder. This is a serious time. This just isn't a time to get through it. This is a time for you to encounter the work of Christ. It's what we're remembering. And remember his great sacrifice for your sin. To confess it and to be clean before him. To worship him. Experience his love this morning and walk out of here different. What a way to end 2015. So this is your time as the deacons come and as they pass out the elements. This is your time to, to sing or to pray or to be quiet and to encounter the one we remember, the son who was born, the child who was given, the one who died for us. As soon as I pray, the deacons will hand out the elements and we'll continue in our worship time this morning. Father, we remember your son. We remember your love. 
we remember his pain, his agony. We remember his great sacrifice for us. And so this morning, we humble ourselves and we quiet our hearts before you. And we open them up and we say, look inside and change us. And make us encounter, Father, you in a way that we haven't encountered before to walk away different. For those, Father, who are here, who do not know Christ, we pray that this morning is a time where the gospel comes surging into their hearts and into their minds like never before by your Spirit. So, Lord, lead us in this time of worship. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.